that we're friends Here is an album you would like Here is a book you would like I think you'd like my cat and also my dog Because we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends Now that we're friends, friends. Hello and welcome to now that we're friends. The podcast that takes your life questions and gives you homework. Now that we're friends is an arts advice podcast where instead of Dear Abby, we offer specially curated mixtapes of music, art, TV shows, poems, and more to suit your mood and help you move through what you're going through. That was Caroline Cabrera out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, who once had a dance party at her house that involved screaming at a freezer full of tilapia. <laughs> And that's Gail Thompson out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, who once upon a time in her youth wrote Cats fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Ann Holmes out of D.C., who when she was a little girl had the cutest Coke bottle glasses I've ever seen on a child. Aww. Aww. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. This week we have a voicemail from Megan. Hi, my name is Megan, and I currently live in Tallahassee. So at 22 years old, I've never had a serious boyfriend. I've dated guys before, but have never had a guy call me his actual girlfriend. I've even been told that I'm not quote unquote girlfriend material. So I guess my question is, what makes a girl girlfriend material? <laughs> oh, Megan. Hi, Megan. I feel you. Let's talk about this question a little bit before we get <laughs> yes, before we get into advice. Yeah. I just think you're a young, independent woman, and that scares immature men is the first thing that I want to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the even just the term girlfriend material, it implies that you just, there's a type of girlfriend that exists. And yeah. if you are not that type, then you cannot be a girlfriend. Right. So like, can't you just be who you are, and then people will like that, and then you can be a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. it's I, I want to say that the guys who have told you you're not girlfriend material are trash human beings and you can tell because they're saying that to you. So, mm -hmm. sure. But it's also like it's it's also really tough to hear that. This is probably one of the first of many times I'll say as the resident single person here, it's also really difficult to hear, "Oh, it's not like that. I was just myself and I found somebody." But then it, the, like you hear it from all these people who have people and you're like, "Cool, great." So, but there's then that means there's like extra something wrong with me that like I can't even be myself and be girlfriend material, you know? So it's like, it, I understand that. Like it, it's very difficult to give advice in that way because it's, it's like, okay, well, it may have worked out for you, but obviously there's something inherently wrong or like inherently not girlfriendy about my personality, you know? Yeah. And I think like, that's really what I think about when I hear this question is that the issue does not lie with you, but also I feel so sorry that you have been told this because that's just such a shitty, like I feel, yeah. I feel bad for you because I can understand how you would feel that you're getting this messaging and that like you're turning to us with this idea that like there is some sort of girlfriend material with there, there's not, there's not girlfriends are. <laughs> no. And anyone who would use that kind of label, it's such a mystifying, but also like cruel. Yeah. Label. Yeah. It's cruel. It also feels very like puritanical. Like it makes me think of, I, I had this really creepy religion teacher. I went to Catholic school and I had this really creepy religion teacher who like talked about how like 
guys date the whores but marry the virgins. Like it has like a tinge of that to it that like, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're not like appropriate or you're not acceptable. There's like this kind of be ladylike mm-hmm. feel behind it, which is just such bullshit. Well, it's like the especially at that like with young what's the word I'm looking for? Early twenties. I was like young twenties. Um <laughs> Early 20s, where it feels like if like girlfriend means that you're dating someone who's blank enough that you can project all of your hopes and dreams and they'll you can at least tell yourself that they're really into you, right? Because like they're kind of like this blank slate, but then what actually ends up being good girlfriend material once people grow up, then it becomes like, oh, I like you for the like flawed real human being that you are that I'm looking at that is in a mirror. Yes. And I also think the very idea that like you are or you or you aren't something is super insulting because people are really dynamic. And the idea that anyone could know what you are or aren't at the age of 22 <laughs> is hilarious. It's just fucking preposterous. Yes. And it's misogynistic. Yes. Like to assume that there's some sort of like template for what a woman should and should not be is just fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not even saying like you're not spouse material, you're not like partner material. It's like it's it's a very gendered saying that is it's I mean, obviously, literally, it's gendered because you change the gender of the name. But I mean, it's also like the entire (laughs) meaning of it changes because of the gender for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I can't I don't have a, a similar big word to say about it, but it is both preposterous and misogynistic. Okay, should we give some advice to Megan or some, rather than advice, some um, recommendations for Megan? Let's do it. Let's give her a prescription. Awesome. The first thing that I thought of when I heard this question is as I was thinking about the word material really literally, like what is a girlfriend made out of? And it made me think of this horror movie, which this is like the second time I think that I'm recommending a horror movie. (laughs) <laughs> or if this if this episode airs first, the first of two times, which I don't watch horror movies, but I have liked exactly two in like the past five years. And there's this horror movie called Under the Skin, starring Scarlett Johansson, where she is just like gorgeous Scarlett Johansson. And she's just kind of like walking around being beautiful and kind of mysterious and waiting to get hit on and picked up by men who are... Some of them like kind of threatening uh, seeming, but then she takes them home to her place, I think. And she, and it's like this, like she's an alien and there's like this other dimension where like they like start to like follow her into the room as she's like seducing them. And then like, they're like covered in this like goo and they die. And so I think that seems like girlfriend material to me. (laughs) So I would watch that. It's a good, creepy movie. If I recall correctly, there's not a ton of dialogue, but it's like really visually arresting. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the best thing Scarlett Johansson's ever done. Wow. Um, well, I don't think she's great. <laughs> so so take that with a grain of salt. I think her best artistic move was the Tom Waits album, but that's just me. Oh, I can't listen to Tom Waits because glass starts just coming out of my ears. So I don't know. Well, but <laughs> wow, then it's, Caroline. it's not Tom Waits. It's from yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I'm just burning bridges left and right here. <laughs> and then on the same vein as Under the Skin, I think at 22 years old, you are young enough to maybe never have seen Alex Mack. Oh, God. Um, 
but it was a Nickelodeon show in the 90s about a girl who could become like liquid metal and sleep under doors. Another excellent girlfriend material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe check that out. Yeah. Also listen to Material Girl by Madonna. <laughs> That's on mine too. Because she's just like, fuck everything. I'm going to be who I want to be. And sometimes I can be material. Sometimes I can be, I mean, she's Madonna. She can do whatever she wants. But so can you, Mm -hmm. Megan. That's correct. (laughs) Somehow in our world, we have decided that regardless of whatever you do in your life, your worth and like your completion is always going to be dependent on your relationship status if you're a woman. So like no matter how successful you are at anything else, you still if you are not like married or dating, that's the uh, that like that takes over everything. You are not a successful person if you're single, mm-hmm. um, no matter whether you're, you know, the president of the United States or I don't know, Amelia Earhart. Yeah. And to take that a step further, even if you are married, but you don't have kids, mm-hmm. you're not yeah. successful. Like there, there, there are just so many ways that we pigeonhole what a woman can be or should be. Yeah. And so I think like, and so a lot of the kind of songs or things that I think we normally think of to make us feel better about being single, it's a lot of like pushing away men because man, they're just all over you. And it's like, oh, you know, get away. I'm trying to be myself. And, you know, and that's really difficult when instead of kicking people away, you're not really getting the attention that you're wanting. Like you're trying to feel okay about not getting that attention that you're worthy of. And so I think the kind of problem I think about a lot is a lot of these kind of like all the single ladies or, uh, you know, all those like really cliche kind of like, I'm single and loving it sort of songs. They're all like, move away, boys. Mm-hmm. You're, you want me, but man, I don't want you, you know, but what if we just didn't have any boys to think about? And it was just like, what if at some point something has to do with things that don't involve sex or romantic relationships? Why can't we just have a book that is about learning something? <laughs> yeah, I'm well, because it's also that cliche or that stereotype of like the independent woman. It just it makes me think of like a show like Sex in the City, where its premise or when it came out, you know, it was like this br- br- groundbreaking. It was this <laughs> it was this groundbreaking show, right, about all of these like independent women living their lives and saying no to men and saying yes to men. But then you realize like their independence is kind of contingent on their relationships to men. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, they're, maybe they're independent women, but they're still sort of following this trope of what is it to be a woman in relationship to a man. And so uh-huh. it's just like breaking out of that trope is is important, I think. Yeah. So I think like my, I have at least two right now. I mean, I have three total, but I have two right now. Um, one, I think the one I kept kind of coming back to, the song that I kept coming back to was Fiona Apple's I'm Not In Love, right? Oh, that's good. The main kind of refrain is like, in fact, I, I can't stop falling out of it. <laughs> which I really, I relate with a lot or relate to a lot. Um, But then for me, Megan, I'm just going to lay it out here for you. Number one, uh, you should listen to Sheryl Crow's Strong Enough, which is certainly written toward a man. 
right? Because the lyrics are like, are you strong enough to be my man, right? Like things, you know, gotta feel like hell tonight, you know, things aren't great. But the whole thing is kind of like, are you strong enough to be my man? Because I'm, I am not Scarlett Johansson, you know, she says Mm -hmm. it, it's all in the song. Um, (laughs) But so that, that in itself is kind of like, I am, I'm a full, like flawed person. And like, you, you know, you need to be a strong person. However, there is a video that I want you to watch, which is a duet between Sheryl Crow and Stevie Nicks, where they sing this together and they're only looking at each other. (laughs) And it is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I almost cried when I watched it. I just got chills when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, and so that's, I mean, they kind of, they're very good friends, but they're like, and I'm, I'm sure it started out with like, hey, we should sing together. Our, you know, whatever they're called, our agents, our managers think that we'd sound good. And then they kind of come together and they realize, holy crap, our voices sound really good together. And then I think it, the like more, you know, friendship came afterward, but like, it is magical how their voices fit together because she is so low and guttural especially I mean this is like 90s and 2000s Stevie Nicks so it's just like deep in the body and then Cheryl Crow (laughs) has like a higher range and it's just the combination of them two and this duet that's about a man but they're both singing to each other it's just my favorite thing it's also when when I saw Stevie Nicks in concert uh the pretenders were opening and uh Chrissy Hine ended up coming back after she sang with the pretenders and they sang stop dragging my heart around the Tom Petty song. And a while ago, you know, generally there's like a male person, a male person singing it with her, but instead it was Chrissy Hine and they both sang it together and it was incredible. And all I want to say is watch really Stevie Nicks do any duo or duet in the last 15 years, because she usually takes these like male centered songs and then ex- like expressly makes them two women duo songs, which I really love. But also watch this beautiful video of Stevie and uh, Cheryl because it is, it's groundbreaking as Anne would say. <laughs> Gail, I want to commission you to write a piece and it can be any piece you want, but it has to be titled Stevie Nicks colon deep in the body. <laughs> uh, I'm there. I've already written it. <laughs> It's called my journal last night. <laughs> um, and then I have, so then I have one more song. I guess I can go ahead and do that, that song here too. Because it's, I'm thinking a lot about like OkCupid profiles and Tinder profiles and how really, it, like you just wish you could step out of the whole thing because it's not real and everything is stupid. And you're like looking, but then at the same time you're pulling back and you're like, I don't even want to do any of this. That's really what I do. I go in and I look at all of these pictures and I like, like maybe I'll find some. And then it gets to the point where I'm like, maybe I don't even like people anymore. <laughs> like maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I just want to lay here on my table and that's my like relationship status and that's fine. So there is a song by our friend Karen Kilgareff. It's called A-OK and it's one of my favorites because it's basically just like, OK Cupid profile, but that's basically saying like, fuck you. I don't ever want to be on this OK Cupid profile. And it's like, no, I don't want to meet you for coffee. I don't want to go on a hike. I don't want to hear how funny your friends are. I'm sure they're hilarious. I don't want small talk or medium talk. What are we even doing here? And so I, that's another kind of one where it's like pushing out of why should this at all be expected? Um, you know, I love. I love that you brought up Kara and Kilgariff because that makes me think I had not thought about this already, but something that you know, a lot of times on the podcast, My Favorite Murder, 
they'll be talking about some like terrible creep murderer and they'll be like oh and his wife and then they're like are you kidding he has a wife Mm -hmm. because the point is it is not an accomplishment to be in a relationship right (laughs) like sometimes you find relationships and they're good and that's great but like just the idea that there's something wrong with you and that's why you're not in a relationship like fucking ted bundy was in relationships so that just proves that whole idea totally freaking <laughs> yes that's a really good point yeah and terrifying yes fucking terrifying my husband could be a serial killer you never know he is actually <laughs> my husband periodically tells me things like don't go in the shed <laughs> And because he works in the sailing industry, sometimes he asks me to help him get sailboats on cars, which is another Ted Bundy red Mm. flag. Basically, I love him, but if he turns out to be a serial killer, you heard it first here. (laughs) But if he pretends to have his arm broken in order to get you, like I would say anytime he looks like his arm might be broken. He doesn't even need a broken arm. He gets like the sniffles and he's laid out. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I also have a song. I don't know if we want to do like, all of that right yeah, here. Does that do it? Good? Do you also do you have any songs? Put it in the too, pizza. Right? I have a couple songs, but you go ahead, Caroline. Okay, cool. So while we're talking about music, I wanted to recommend Jenny Lewis's Voyager album. Yep. Yeah, it has a lot about dating and relationships. The song that immediately came to mind from that album—I am recommending the whole album—but the song that immediately came to mind from that album is the song "Late Bloomer," mm-hmm. just because it's kind of like so. Jenny Lewis is like a modern day troubadour. And this is one of the songs that I think does that the most where there's a really, there's a narrative that happens, you know, and it's talking about this young girl who meets this like glamorous woman and starts to kind of fall in love with her um, and feels kind of out of her depth. And Megan, you didn't say this, but it seems to me like you're feeling like a late bloomer because you're 22. You say, you know, oh, I'm 22. I've never had a boyfriend. I have met so many people in my life who you know, had their first serious relationship when they were much older than that. But mm-hmm. I know how it can feel when you're in college and it seems like everyone's dating and everyone, you know, that you feel like a late bloomer. So I would recommend that song. And while we're talking about Jenny Lewis and that album, I also recommend watching the One of the Guys oh. videos or the, the music video for One of the yeah. Guys because it's just so good. And also that's another song about kind of like expectations of what women are supposed to do and how women are supposed to present themselves. And so I think that whole album will be amazing for you also just go see her in concert yeah i saw her touring for that album Mm -hmm. and it was amazing Mm -hmm. she's touring this september definitely gonna go see her again she's probably coming somewhere near tallahassee i don't know yeah Yeah. i was also gonna recommend jenny lewis just in general i think she's just like yeah she's someone who just she doesn't just sing love songs like she she sings about sort of all of the complicated ways in which women are expected to perform. And she's a hero for sure. She is. And something I was reminded of when I saw her in concert, she puts on one of the best performances I've ever seen. She is just such a born performer. Mm-hmm. And it made me think it just kind of reminded me like, oh, yeah, she was a child actor. She has been a performer her entire life. And I think that's a special type of scrutiny to have been under. So I feel like when she speaks about these things, it's from like a really rich lived experience of that. I need to see her. I realize I've never seen her in concert by herself. I saw her when she was in the postal service. Do you remember? Nice. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I do. (laughs) Yeah, I saw her in Rilo Kylie, then I saw her with 
like by herself. Not like by herself. We were in a large room with people. But <laughs> it was just you was, and Jenny making eyes at each other. It was me and Jenny. Yeah, it was great. That was the thing with the Rilo. When I saw her in Rilo Kylie, I wanted to paint my face because I was like, she has to look at me. If she doesn't look at me, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I like got there like an hour and a half early and made sure that I was up in front. And I was even, because I'd, I'd like done a couple songs, Rilo Kylie songs on the guitar and I recorded them. And I was like, should I just like record them on a CD and then throw the CD at the stage? Like, what should I do? And I didn't, that none of that happened, but fantasies abound. But I made sure I was like, you have to make eye contact with me. And she did three times. That's amazing. Yeah. She probably remembers it too. She's the best. (laughs) (laughs) The first song that I thought of when I heard your question, Megan, was TLC's No Scrubs. (laughs) 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 Because I just want you to know that whoever has told you that you're not girlfriend material is a scrub. That's 100% true. And from what I understand, you don't want them. No. No. You don't want to scrub. A few years ago, Phil took a picture of me and posted it on Facebook with like the lyrics from No Scrubs. And then my high school chemistry teacher, whose name is Glenn Madison, he's a real treat of a person. Shout out Glenn uh, Madison. Shout out to Glenn Madison, (laughs) um, who had the misfortune of his first year teaching, having my senior year chemistry class (laughs) um but he's excellent his his social media presence is fantastic and he commented can i point out that you are on the passenger side of what very well might be your best friend's ride (laughs) well played glenn (laughs) yeah but does he remember historical context you know yeah what do you mean (laughs) You know, because like it's not the same if a woman is in the passenger side of her best friend's ride trying to holler at me, you know? No, it's not. It's not. I would love to have someone holler at me if they were a nice non-scrub. Yeah, we can choose whether or not we want to keep this in the podcast. But when I was in Deland, Florida in college, I was I was going through a period where I was, well, I was about your age, Megan, and I was. I was struggling a lot with identity date. I was in a relationship that was a fucking train wreck. So that's an accomplishment I had. But I was watching a lot of America's Next Top Model. And there's this one girl, Renee, who is a like terrible bitch, but she would she would wear this like scarf around her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked like really pretty. And I was watching too much America's Next Top Model, sleeping all the time and not washing my hair enough. So I was like, well, I'm going to put this scarf around my head and go to class. And I was standing, like waiting to, to cross the street to go to class. And this woman pulled up at the intersection and screamed, girl, you so cute. What is you, a Muslim? <laughs> and it is to this day, the best cat calling I've ever had in my life. I was just like, I am, I am amazing. <laughs> this really cool lady just yelled at me from her car. I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> oh my God, if all catcalling was just women yelling nice things at each other, the world would be a better place. Yes, I was on yeah. the Metro, well, I was going to say recently, but it was like a year ago, and I was getting off and I was just like, I was in a terrible mood and I was like late for work. And as I was like stepping off the train to like rush upstairs, this woman just looked at me and she goes, you are so pretty. <laughs> And 
I was just like, thank you so much. And it was just like the nicest, like weirdest thing that happened to me. And I was just like, yeah, great. I feel great. Women are the best. Wow. No one's ever publicly told me I was pretty. You're so yeah, pretty, Gail. Gail. Oh, we thanks. tell you all the time publicly. That was not That's just, true. And it was it's not public. <laughs> I, Gail, I, we're not just playing this podcast for each other, though. <laughs> That's true. I mean, stranger, I suppose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I have a poetry recommendation. Ooh. I recommend, Megan, this fairly new poetry collection by Stella Corso called Tantrum, Ooh. which came out in 2017 from Rescue Press. And it's basically, she's like talking about, she's basically reflecting on like what it means to be an intelligent woman looking for intimacy or just looking for more from men than disappointment (laughs) and the male gaze and like what it is to to be kind of like material or like the thingness of being a a woman. The poems are just incredible they're funny they're tender they have titles like the resourceful lady to the hollywood man my favorite understated cerebral drama with a strong female lead (laughs) another good one is your heart is empty pal (laughs) and another one is i would kiss you but there's meat in your teeth which is great um so i want to read one or maybe two poems if that's okay Actually, I'm going to read one, and then I'm going to read yeah. part of another. Um, so there's this poem that, when I read it, I thought of you and your situation, Megan. This is called, Thank God the Stars. Thank God the stars are behind me tonight, for I am angry, angry, but I am laughing also, because it is nice to be admired, but better to be loved, and I am never both. Such an unlikely combination That is luck, reserved for stars alone. So we put them up on the screen so that we may cut them down. Which is beautiful also. But just like, you know, this idea that like women can never be perfect. It's like if we're smart and steady, then some men won't like us. Like we're a threat or they're immature and our maturity scares them especially as like a young woman who's like trying to figure things out. It's just, it's so, it's so frustrating to feel like you can't be your full self and that somehow is not like quote unquote girlfriend material or whatever that means. And the sort of mystery of like, cool, people admire me, but like, why don't they desire me in the way that I deserve to be desired? And it's just frustrating. Um, I have another one that's a little funnier. It's called What It Is. And I'll just, it's in a bunch of sections. I'll just read a couple of them. You'll get the gist. What It Is. I was in a car once when a man told me he liked the way I smelled. I was on top of him. Tell me, I asked, what do I smell like? Like a woman, he replied. Like a woman, I said. Maybe it's my pheromones then. Yes, he said, looking thoughtful. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) 
I was reclining on a sofa when a man told me he liked my breasts. There were two of them, two men. Tell me, I <laughs> tell me, I asked, which breast do you like better? The perfectly round one or the one that has given way to gravity? The bigger one, they both replied. <laughs> so one, one more. <laughs> I was in love when a man told me he liked my eyes. Tell me, I asked, what do you like about my eyes? They look like two very large pupils, he replied. Not even eyes, just pupils. He was still learning. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> Megan, I just think you would really appreciate this collection. I mean... Well, I think there's this idea also that, like, your standards yeah. are too high, which is something that I've gotten a lot, which is, like, my real answer, which I will say on this podcast now, which is, like, actually, it's kind of great that not a lot of people ask me out because my standards are surprisingly low. That, like, <laughs> it's actually it's probably pretty healthy that, like, I haven't actually asked, been asked out that much because my standards are fairly low. It's just, like, that's how... Like, it's okay to not want to date somebody who you think is mediocre mm -hmm. or, like, you yeah. think is, is not worth you. Because if you're even thinking that, then he's really not. Because odds are you don't, you, like, you don't think you're as great as you actually are. So if you already kind of think that he's a little bit, you're like, I don't know, should I kind of, like, I'm not really sure I, I fit really well with this guy, then you definitely probably don't. What you've been told, Megan, of, like, you're not girlfriend material sets up this world where like someone gets to bestow their boyfriendness above onto you yeah. right like that you should just feel lucky yeah. if a guy and I'm not like a huge fan of Amy Schumer I'm just like left and right saying people I don't like that much but Amy Schumer has a quote where she's like I can catch a dick any day like it's it's not that hard to like get a guy to to show like sexual interest in you or to show, you know, like the idea that like men are some prize to win. There's another, I can't remember who said this and there's probably like a million tweets about it, but like just the fact that there are still heterosexual women proves that homosexuality, homosexuality is not a choice because like we would all choose <laughs> <Yeah>. each other. <laughs> if it were a choice, we'd be like, just fuck men forever. <laughs> yeah. Stevie Nicks and Cheryl Crow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I could be that, it would be great. And this, I actually have, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to rant more just about how people who say like your standards are too high where it, it's just basically code for like, you need to define yourself by your relationship with another person that like mm -hmm. something is missing if you're not yeah. like in a relationship. And it's just, it's so, it's so dangerous, but it's also so hard. Well, because you think that too. Like, it's not like you're, to me anyway, it's like, if you don't believe it, then it's a little bit easier to have people continue to tell you that. But the yeah. but the years go by and you continue to feel that and you continue to feel like you're a little bit broken no matter what other successes you have, then like you've taken that in. You've totally bought in. And so you actually do feel a little bit like, well, they're, you know, I must not be complete, right? And so it's, it's a little bit difficult to kind of- yeah. Like it, it actually feels like you haven't done anything. So this makes me think one of my recommendations is to watch the TV show Shrill based on Lindy West's memoir. It stars A.D. Bryant. It's on Hulu. 
it's super delightful. A.D. Bryant, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the book Shrill, but A.D. Bryant brings the character to life in this really fantastic way. Mm-hmm. And she's just so, so great. It makes me excited to see like, I'm like, wow, what is she, what is her career going to be like? She's amazing. But the show has this dynamic where there's a guy who's like not willing to date her publicly. Mm-hmm. And she kind of has to figure out what to do with that. And the arc is a lot of like her finding confidence in who she is and then like demanding from him and from other people the respect she deserves. And I think I'm not in any way, Megan, saying that any of this is your fault. But sometimes when your confidence has been worn down, that's something that like people prey upon Mm -hmm. and they wear you down more. Mm -hmm. And if you can find that confidence and if you can be projecting that, it's like an asshole deflector shield like that you can take through the world with you. Be great. So I have two books. I'll just, I guess I could just do one book right now. I'll do a book and a half. <laughs> I'll tell you half of what the book is. <laughs> um, no, also my, my like kind of quick recommendation, I don't have that much to say about it, but my quick rec is to read Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado, because I think they're, again, I'm kind of thinking about ways in which the plot lines or the themes are not necessarily like this heteronormative Mm -hmm. relationship goal type thing. Like I even... I, in reading any book that, you know, you can have all sorts of things going on in the plot, but unless there is a love interest or unless there is like a final coupling, then it's not a book that's worth reading. And so a lot of times I'll like be reading a book and I'm like, man, this would be great if the goal here weren't also to get together with somebody. Like I'm thinking of any John Green book, but Turtles All the Way Down specifically, where I think the book itself and what the narrator is going through is incredible. And I, I, that's actually the one book where I, I think actually the relationship isn't that big of a part of it. But I feel like most of John Green's books are like, I'm having these really intense feelings and thoughts. And there's this thematic problem I'm trying to figure out. And I'm going to put it, you know, I'm going to figure that out with someone else. Because it, things just aren't complete if you're not also a hormonal teenager. Which I guess maybe I just wasn't a hormonal teenager and that was the problem. But like I just I, – that to me, I'm like, I'm not interested in that. So I guess I'm trying to say is you should read this collection of short stories because there are – like people are in relationships in these short stories. There's definitely sex. There's definitely like a lot of different stuff. But the themes and the things that are being built are uh, more around kind of like the violences toward women or the violences that kind of exist in life in general. And there's the language is beautiful. And it's kind of this, they're, they're a little bit more fabulous. There's a lot of dark humor. It's beautifully written. And there's definitely like, sex probably is a big part of it. But the goal isn't sex, if that makes sense. Yeah. And there's a lot of like playing with like different kinds of desires. There's queerness, there's all sorts of different violences. There's, but the, the relationship, the metaphors are not in the relationships. And then Thing, the short story, like the husband's ditch, makes you really glad that you're single. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that is my recommendation for that one. I love that. And game. then I also, oh, thank you. I just think it's such a good book. It just is. in general, it is. And you're right. It's like women like subverting the narrative again yeah. and again, which is like so important. Yeah. And then my other recommendation is to read at some point in her life. You may not want to do it right now. You should read Middlemarch by George Eliot. Which it's a big read. It's a Victorian novel. So like if, if you're not feeling like you want to read a Victorian novel right now, that's okay. 
but <laughs> it's such a good book. And I like I never read it until I had to for class. So I guess at some point you have to like let yourself plow through it. But it is just this incredible book. George Eliot turns out, you know, she's famous for a reason. She's so <laughs> funny. Like in this book, I was laughing out loud, but it starts out with this, like the main character is Dorothea and she's young and she's, you know, living in Victorian England. And her kind of goal is like, I'm such a smart woman. What I need is a smart man who's going to teach me all sorts of things. That's my, like, my goal is to get a husband who is going to be like my teacher daddy, which I've been, I wrote that in like the margins, <laughs> teacher daddy. Um, <laughs> and she finds that husband and he's like this, Casalvin, he's like interested in this, like a big theoretical project. And he's, I don't think he's a preacher or a minister, but like he's, you know, there's, it's like the big project or the big thing he's working on. It's like the key to all myths is like, I'm really working on this thing. And so they get married and she feels like pretty happy, but then it starts to like unravel. And I'm not going to give spoilers, but she ends up being really shackled to this incredibly not smart man. And she knows that this entire time he's working on something that like is idiotic, but that like he thinks is going to save the world. But she knows, she's like, this is, like, it's like knowing the answer to a problem, but not being able to tell that person. It's like, oh, God, you're spending your whole life on something that you, you're you such an idiot that you think this is true. But I'm like the submissive wife, and I can't tell you that I know this is actually not true mm-hmm. or, like, not the case. And so she shackled this guy, and then she, basically the whole thing is, like, she shoves him off, does her own thing. She's successful and great. There is, because it's a Victorian novel, of course she ends up with the nice guy, like a good guy she ends up with somebody, there is still romance involved. However, the whole thing is about like her kind of being like, oh my God, I'm smart. Therefore, I don't need teacher daddy. I'm just going to be freaking smart. And I think that you should read it. And it's just so funny. There is so much, it's like reading if my grandfather were a Victorian woman and wrote this novel, (laughs) which nobody knows my grandfather, but the just like the driest, (laughs) the driest wit. That like you have, it's like that kind of doubling back and you're like, oh my God, you just said something hilarious, but you said it in the least affected voice of all time. I love that. And that makes me think of like so many novels and movies featuring like women who don't settle. (laughs) Like Little Women, for instance. Like Joe March. Oh my God. Yeah, or like my fantasy version of the Phantom of the Opera, where she leaves them both. Yes, <laughs> yeah, God, I mean, they're both terrible. Caroline, please I mean, write and it. Joe need to come. Yeah. <laughs> what if I did do Phantom of the Opera fan fiction? I feel like I'm eighth grade Gail when yeah. I say that. I was gonna say I could, I could give you some, some hints. Am I stepping on your toes here? <laughs> or? <laughs> I mean, my my Yahoo email was like was prima donna JB. Uh, JB for Jacob Brent, by the way, who was an actor who played Mistopheles <gasps> in the video version of Cats. Gail. Um, mm-hmm. Gail, the deepest of cats. Yes. I, I wrote him a long letter when I was 12 and I had I was sick and I never sent it, but it was a really good letter. <laughs> the way you were talking about Middlemarch and like the the like submissive little wife kind of expectation made me think of one of my recommendations, which is the poem Being a Girl by Shannon Burns that's in her chapbook, Preserving the Old Way of Life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to read this to you guys. Being a Girl. I spilled cold coffee on every cushion in the house at the same moment like a girl. 
dear milk chocolate lion of Belgium, everyone is my husband. Everyone cries on the telephone. Everyone wants me to have a look at what this bagel guillotine can do. I was just thinking, me looking into your cabinets. You need soup and apple butter. Apple butter comes in a glass jar and it'll break if you drop it. And then you're down in the floor and you've got apple butter in your hair again. And I was just thinking, I'm just being such a girl, removing tough stains, sitting Indian style and screaming, just being a girl, blinking, biting, sleeping, coming over. Love it. So, yeah, I love that poem. And I just think like, these jerks you've known, Megan, are trying to define like what a girl or a girlfriend or an appropriate woman is. And I think that poem kind of highlights the absurdity of that in a really Mm -hmm. beautiful way. Also, Shannon Burns is just a great poet. I I always think of that line, which I think is, is it in the last poem in that chapbook where it's like, bitch, I'm sorry I got spilled water on your letter from the government? Um, Yeah, the very last line in this chapbook is, bitch, I'm sorry I got tap water on your letter from the government. (laughs) Just so good. God, that's a mic drop if I've ever heard one. (laughs) Yeah, famous last lines. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I have a poem uh, by Anna Swear. Anna Swear, I'm sure it is. This is called Virginity. One must be brave to live through a day. What remains is nothing but the pleasure of longing, very precious. Longing purifies, as does flying, strengthens, as does an effort. It fashions the soul as work fashions the belly. It is like an athlete, like a runner, who will never stop running. And this gives him endurance. Longing is nourishing for the strong. It is like a window on a high tower through which blows the wind of strength, longing, virginity of happiness. And I had that paired with uh, the Sia and Kendrick Lamar song, The Greatest. Um, Yes. (laughs) Please connect those dots for me. A little palette for you. Uh, But just, I don't know, just the, it's this kind of like being alone and being kind of out is, is a little bit like honing honing what it is you want and having that braveness to just get through the longing. Like the longing is the thing that's going to, I wouldn't say that defines you because I don't think that that's fair. Having these feelings is not separate from who you are. And they're going to be the thing that's going to define what you want in your future, if that makes sense. I love that. And I love the idea that like, what's the line? It's like longing does something for the strong or is for the strong. Uh, Let's see. Uh, longing is nourishing for the strong. Longing is nourishing for the strong. I love that. I have a really good friend who is doing the online dating thing and has had like some successes with that, but is single again. And she was talking about how she does have high standards in that, like, you know, she's looking for someone who she actually likes. And Megan, we're a little older than you. We're in like our mid thirties. And she was telling me about how a lot of her friends who are dating uh, right now are just really in that like kind of marriage and mommy track thinking. And she's like, you couldn't pay me to date these guys they're dating. Like you could not pay me. And so the idea, like you're talking about Gail, that being alone gives you time to figure out what it is 
you actually want and not just to like hold up some ideal of just being mm-hmm. with someone. I like that a lot. Thanks. Yeah. You shouldn't have to suffer bullshit just if I if I can paraphrase this poem. Don't <laughs> suffer bullshit. The end. There you go. No, but I mean it is like it's because the high that's I mean go back to the high standards. The high standards are liking someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's not it's to exactly. me it's like if I don't like them then what what am I going to do? Yeah. But I do think I mean I especially as a young woman just went out with people because they liked me. Yes. Yeah. Because like I was I had such low self-esteem and no one ever told me or no one like the messaging did not get through to me that me enjoying their company was part of it. Yeah. It was just they like me, they asked me out, I said yes. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah. And it's ugh and that's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was in a long relationship that started that way and didn't really realize until the end that, oh, I was never really in love with this person. He just pursued me yeah. and he was much older than me. And so I thought, this is what I should do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish I could go it's back. easier than saying yeah. no. I wish I could go back yeah. and tell 22-year-old Anne that you don't have to be interested in someone just because they're interested in you. And mm-hmm. – it's okay to, yeah, yeah, to let the longing be nourishing. And like it, obviously, mom, I know you're listening. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it's not saying that like, you know, if you don't like, like you don't give them a chance, right? There's like right. this idea <laughs> right, of like, oh, well, if you don't like them, you should just really listen to them and go on a second. It's like, well, but sure. But but when you meet your husband or when you meet your, well, maybe that's not the same for my mom, but for <laughs> It's a little bit different than my mom, but when generally when people meet the person that they're going to marry, they kind of like them, you know. Yeah, they're at least intrigued by them or interested or, yeah, or you know? like cautiously optimistic, like I was yeah. with my husband, <laughs> who sure. I wasn't actually sure I liked on our first date, but um, the second date yeah, was key. I remember that? Yeah, Anne and I both went on first dates and came back, and I was like, I don't think I like this guy, and I was like, I don't think I do either. I was like, Oh, thank God, I'm gonna. Like, and it's going to be single with me. It's going to be awesome. Blah, blah. And then guess what? <laughs> <laughs> and then that second date was a weekend long. Yep. <laughs> and then I went on more dates and it was – and I actually ended up not liking that person and then continued to date them, continuing to not like them. And that was really fun. But it, it's okay. And then Anne married that person. Luckily, <laughs> I didn't marry mine. Sorry about that. Yeah, thanks, Anne. <laughs> I have a suggestion that goes in the vein of longing. And this was also one of the first things that came to mind when I heard your question, Megan, was, and it's not, it's not like a one-to-one comparison at all, but still it's immediately what I thought of, was the book, The Member of the Wedding by Carson McCullers. And the main character is this like 12-year-old tomboy named Frankie living in a small Alabama town. And I believe it's her brother that's getting married. Could be her sister, but I'm like 99% sure it's her brother. It's been a couple of years since I read it. She feels really lonely and she doesn't feel seen really. She doesn't get along with a lot of people except like the maid in the house. And she just becomes fixated on this wedding and she convinces herself that she is a member of the wedding and that after the wedding, she's going to leave with her brother and new sister-in-law. It's this beautiful, not very long novel. I have a friend who lent the book to me because she has multiple copies because she reads it every summer because it is it takes place in the summer and you it's a short enough book you could read it every summer. I don't do that, but you might want to. But maybe it's summer now. Who knows? And there's a quote from that book 
from the narrator, Frankie. The trouble with me is that for a long time, I have just been an I person. All people belong to a we except me. Not to belong to a we makes you too lonesome. And I think it's easy to feel that way when you're longing for a partner. But Megan, you are such a fantastic I. I can feel it. And while people are telling you, oh, you're not girlfriend material, they're like tearing down the I that you are and suggesting that you need a we. And that's such bullshit. It's just not true. Or find your we in your friends. Yeah. Or a Nintendo we. <laughs> I was just going to say the fantastic eye, I think, is just a beautiful thing to say to our friend Megan. Mm-hmm. I was going to suggest, Megan, to read just the essay by Rebecca Solnit, Men Explain Things to Me. There's a fuller essay collection with that title that I don't think is as strong with uh, as as that title essay. But um, and say it and just I mean, you know, you know again. we're just we're just saying what we're thinking and feeling and that's okay. I mean, Caroline doesn't like Tom Waits. Yeah. So what what are you going to yeah, do? No, we're burning <laughs> ridges. What are you what are you going to do? Yeah. But just on this theme of like men kind of prescribing like what you should and shouldn't be or what you know assuming what you know and don't know and basically the premise of this essay that Rebecca Solnit writes is that she's at this party when this kind of haughty guy comes up to her and like kind of knows her peripherally as a writer and is like hey I hear you know you've written a few books and she's like several actually (laughs) and Basically, he starts talking about this new book that has just come out um, about Edward Moybridge, who's this, you know, photographer. And Rebecca Solnit is the woman who wrote this book. And after several insistences by Rebecca's friend, like interrupting this guy, like, hey, that was her book. Hey, that was her book. It takes him forever to like let it sink in. So anyway, just read the essay. It's fantastic, but it also just... It talks about, you know, the way in which women are so often just like templates to men and men who assume that they know things and wrongly assume that women don't. And there's this great quote from the essay that I just want to read. Um, But explaining men still assume I am in some sort of obscene impregnation metaphor, an empty vessel to be filled with their wisdom and knowledge. A Freudian would claim to know what they have and I lack, but intelligence is not situated in the crotch. Even if you can write one of Virginia (laughs) Woolf's long, mellifluous musical sentences about the subtle subjugation of women in the snow with your willy. (laughs) Which, (laughs) just like, men are the worst. But, Megan, I just think this essay, it's just... It's just a good reminder that people will tell you you're not girlfriend material and it's just a way to kind of keep you in this sort of template of what a woman or what a girlfriend should be. And you are just, you are so much more. Mm. You are a fantastic I and you should remember that. Well, damn. Damn is right. I have one last suggestion. That's to watch HBO's Insecure. (laughs) Yeah. With Issa Rae and 
Yvonne Orji, because I just think there are a couple levels on which I think that would work for you, Megan. One is that, so Issa has like a couple guy love interests that like bounce around in the show. Molly is the one more, and that's the Yvonne Orji character. Molly is the one who's more out there really trying to make dating work and finding it fail at every turn. And sometimes it's because she is getting the message that like she's too much or she's too she's too intense or she's not interested enough or she starts making those calls about guys too, like, oh, he's too interested or he's too whatever. But she's this drop-dead gorgeous, successful lawyer with like the best apartment and the most beautiful clothes I've ever seen in my life. And so it's interesting to see like these two really gorgeous, really successful, amazing women like kind of deal with dating issues. And you would never watch that show and be like, oh, well, it's because Molly is not girlfriend material or it's because Issa is not girlfriend material. Mm -hmm. The other level I think it works on is that the real relationship of the show to me is Molly and Issa's relationship. Mm -hmm. And they've got other friends too who are amazing, other uh, girlfriends from like their college, but they are besties. And no matter what is going on, with this dating life, like they've got their person in each other. And so sometimes dating might not be working for you, but that doesn't mean you don't have meaningful relationships. That doesn't mean there aren't people who love and see and value you for you. Yeah. Yep. Like we do. Cause we're friends now. Yeah. Yeah. We love you, Megan. Welcome to our friendship. We will sing to you like Cheryl Crow sings to Stevie Nicks. Ugh. Always oh my God. and forever. Deep in the body. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you want. Consent yes. is Yeah, yeah. Is no, really yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything else to say to Megan? I just wanted to say real quick, something that I've been thinking about a lot that like I read a tweet about this a long time ago and I've almost brought it up in a couple episodes, but like the idea that like you can't love someone until you love yourself. Yeah. Like, which is, I wouldn't say it's, it's, like, I want to just, I guess, clarify that that's not what we're saying, I guess, because there's this idea that, like, it, it just doesn't work because it presupposes that you aren't worth anything until you love yourself. Yeah. And that, like, it's your yeah. fault that you don't, that, like, you know, that, like, you don't have the confidence. It's just, like, saying, well, buck up, pull it, you know, get get it together, and then we'll love you. Or it's, like, or if you've been damaged or, like, there's even not damaged, you just don't quite have that self-love. It doesn't mean that no one can love you. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say my experience is that I was very unlucky in dating, not meaning that like I didn't find people to date, but that I was in like really bad relationships until I became very lucky with with dating Mm -hmm. and like kind of falling into this relationship with my husband. And we've been together for over a decade and we've been married for several years. But the idea that we came to that relationship in some way like whole and healed Uh (laughs) and that's why it worked is such bullshit. Like the evolution that I found in myself, both growing in the relationship with him, but then, you know, the space we allow each other to grow as people and the ways we kind of force each other to grow as people. It's absurd to think that I finally found love when I, when I loved myself because I was still very deeply not yeah because it's absolutely outside of your control I mean maybe not absolutely but it's I might you know being unlucky and all it does is it tells you that you are not loved so like it what are you supposed to do from that if you've been unlucky and or you know you've been told that you're not girlfriend material so then it's in your head and then you 
over time, things happen, you turn 33 and it's still not working out, then you're feeling like, okay, well, uh, like there is, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there, there are things that happen that are still outside of your control and, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's not fair. That's all. I don't yeah. Know. Well, and I can say too, as someone who is married and who also doesn't love herself as much as she should, <laughs> that that's bullshit. Like there yeah. is a lot of luck involved. And I guarantee you for every guy who said something to this effect to you, there is a person in your life, maybe a woman, maybe not, maybe a a man who's not a sexual option for you. For every guy who has told you something like this, there was someone in your life who feels so 100% certain that you are valuable Mm -hmm. and lovable and who thinks you are the best. I guarantee you. Yeah. Agreed. Megan, we're friends now. And we love you. (laughs) Yeah. And fuck that girlfriend material noise. Yeah. Now That We're Friends was recorded in front of a live studio audience made up entirely of our pets. Your hosts and three new friends are Caroline Cabrera, Ann Holmes, and Gail Thompson. Our producer is Lisanne, greatest of all time, Ramos. Our theme music is provided by Gail Thompson. Now That We're Friends is an O Miami production. If you want to ask us for advice to receive our recommendations, you can send a voice memo or written email to newfriend at omiami.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Now That We're Friends and on Twitter and Instagram at NTWF Podcast. Thank you.